You are now listening to Storytellers. He just stole my heart and he was everything that I ever, he was everything that I wanted to be outside of God, which as a Christian young girl, you're tempted with those things. storyteller is Loli Romo. She's a solid friend, speaks truth without the sugarcoating. Loli is a pro makeup artist, mortician, an excellent speaker. She's head over heels for her husband and an amazing mother of two. So my name is Loli and obviously you know that. I was raised in the church, uh, very similar to you. We were raised very similar. I come from a family of really unique and eccentric. Um, my father is just bar none. He's mm-hmm. pretty incredible, but he's a little cuckoo too. Um, and so everything that he does was pretty extreme. And so um, living in the world was extreme, but then loving God was completely extreme. And so um, I grew up in a family that loved God um, relentlessly and did it um, very openly and they failed openly. And and so I grew up with this beautiful idea of who God was. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved him. I grew up loving God mm-hmm. and what it did to my, what he did to my family. Um, but you know, as you grow up in the church, you become um, numb mm-hmm. to, you know, what you would say, like, like the actual, like reprimanding of being yeah. a bad kid. Yeah. You know, you always just knew that you could say that you were sorry and be forgiven mm-hmm. and, and that's what it is. And you knew the hits of the Bible, the just one hit wonders. Easy. Yeah. It became yeah. easy. It, it became a, a, it was so much a part of my life that it was like a nationality to me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a belief anymore. It was who I was. It was, I was Italian, Guamanian and Christian, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, so it wasn't something that I chose as I got older, it was something that was just breathed into me, which I'm super grateful for. But as you know, when we met, we were at that pivotal time of, Mm -hmm. you know, of our life where we were 14, 15, and we were learning who we were. Mm -hmm. And independently from being a believer, that age strives to know who you are. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many questions. I have a 16 year old daughter now and there's just questions every day. There's just so much that goes on every day in the mind of a 16 year old. And so looking back on it now, I wanted independence Mm -hmm. from who my parents were. I, I didn't necessarily want to walk away from God, but I wanted my own life. Mm -hmm. And i I knew that I was I was too afraid to be a bad girl, <laughs> or at least what the, the church thought was a bad girl. Yeah. Even though I was a liar, I deceived people, I was like such a weasel <laughs> in the way that I conducted my everyday life. But those weren't big sins to me yeah. because I was so used to seeing big old testimonies on stage being like, I was a crackhead and came yeah. back to the Lord. And, we were nowhere near that. Yeah. And I, we were nowhere <laughs> near that. We no. were good girls in the eyes of the world. Yeah. But- Looking back on it, it wasn't being a good girl in comparison to the world. It was Mm. being a good girl in comparison to Jesus. And Mm. we're nowhere near that. We were filthy, rotten sinners, even in our little moments of lying. And 
So yeah, at 14, 15, I, you know, wanted to test the waters. I never wanted to do drugs because I was too scared. Same. Like, whoa. Yeah. I heard all the crazy <laughs> stories that my dad- I would hallucinate. Oh my God. <laughs> I, yeah. My dad would tell me about this like little guy that would show up on his shoulder when he would do acid and I freaked out. So like never. That was enough. Yeah, that was enough. But, you know- there was other things that I experimented with, you know, like boys, you know, because yeah. I, it was safe. Nobody knew it was, it was yeah. hidden very easily. It didn't affect me physically for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I went out and found a boyfriend that was very much like my dad in the old days. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little punk kid that grew up on the street and he was so cute and he just stole my heart and he was everything that I ever want. He he was everything that I wanted to be oh. outside of God, oh. which as a Christian young girl, you're tempted with those things. Yeah, definitely. You know, if anybody ever tells you any different, they're lying. Mm-hmm. Growing up in the church, you're tempted more so than anybody oh, yeah. to, to taste and see what the world is like because you're so sheltered. It's kind of like a candy store. Yeah, you're but like, you're not allowed to touch anything. No. And it's like, well, I can't touch it because it's going to give you cavities. Well, yeah. why? <laughs> it's like, you just told no, but I, I want to know why. Like, come on. <laughs> you know, and the more and more I, you know, I aged and my curiosity sparked a little bit. And the more and more Jesus wasn't my own. He was just, um, you know, the gentleman in the room that my parents invited mm. and that I had a, a deep respect and mm. and love for mm. like a family member, but he wasn't my personal family member. Mm. He was an invited guest into my home, which I'm grateful for. But at that time, you know, I did my own thing. And during that season of my life, my brother's were experiencing something really unique. Um, They were growing in their music Mm -hmm. and my dad and my mom's focus was really altered and it was focused on what God was doing in the music industry at that time with my brothers and they were breaking glass ceilings Mm -hmm. and they were challenging the truth. Um, And it was so incredible, but I loved it because I could hide it because their focus wasn't on me. It was on them. And All I needed to do was be just enough of a good girl to keep their attention off of me. So, yeah, I did my own thing. I I was a good girl, didn't do drugs, but I liked boys. (laughs) I liked one boy in particular. And uh, we ended up getting pregnant. You know, we it was the first time we ever did anything. And we knew, you know, yeah, I liked I liked Tony. Tony was my all I was all in. He became my salvation. Mm. He became what I was drawn to, what I woke up thinking about, what I craved, what I longed for. He in turn replaced my you know, youth love, mm. which was the Lord. I had, you know, as a kid growing up in the church, God, the greatest memories. I loved youth. I loved, I was so in love with the Lord. It was this innocence. And if you don't hold on to that and you don't nurture that, independently, um, you'll lose it. Yeah. And especially as a teenager. And so, you know, my parents and no wrong to them, they were focused on growing what God was doing in my brother's life that I was able to be a little skunich, which is what we call in Italian, like a little weasel and do my own thing. And so I fell and followed my boyfriend religiously because that's all I knew how to do. I didn't know boyfriend, girlfriend. I just knew like what my dad had showed us, you aggressively love Mm. and you aggressively forgive and you're kind, Mm. you're loyal. And so all those great, beautiful qualities that my parents had showed me, 
I was now pouring into this mm. boy and he was reciprocating because he never knew those things. Mm. So the things that he was falling in love with me, he wasn't realized that those were the Christ-like attributes in mm. my life. And I was giving them away mm. as if they were nothing. Yeah. And so we, you know, puppy love, fell in love, did our thing. First time we ever did it, we got pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> And my mom always told me that. She's like, don't have sex because the first time you have sex, you're going to get pregnant. Doggone it. <laughs> Stinking Agnes was right. But <laughs> I'm so grateful. Agnes is your mom. Agnes is my mom. Yes. And <laughs> and she'll be mad if I say it that way. It's Agnese. Oh. But um, yeah, so she would always tell me like, don't do it because she got pregnant at 15 mm-hmm. with my brother and yeah. my noni got pregnant at 14. And the testimony of our family is so deep rooted in that type of... Um, bondage mm. that she was broken hearted mm. and she felt like she failed. Um, and it was nothing to her. It was all me. And, um, but I'm actually really grateful because God used these moments in my life and these, these stones of remembrance to draw me closer to him. And so, yeah, we got, we did our thing. You know, I was 16. We got pregnant. I, all I knew as a Christian girl was to go back to Jesus. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> like he was my retreat. Like savior. Oh my gosh. Like I need help. Oh my gosh. I'm pregnant. I did everything in my power to try and get rid of my son mm. without, I mean, my parents didn't know I was pregnant until I was seven months. I was so tiny and so sick, but I was hiding it so well. And in my 16 year old mind, I thought, well, if I go to Disneyland, Magic Mountain and, mm. and Universal Studios all in one weekend, maybe it'll just go away. Mm. You know, and in that immature mindset of like pressing your stomach uh, along these mm. rails because you're so desperate and scared, abortion wasn't an option. Yeah. You know, growing up in the church, it's not an option no. and it, it should never be an option. No. Yeah. Um, but I also knew that the wrath of these Italian women were going to come, mm-hmm. they were going to rain down on me. And I was actually more fearful of my parents than of God because I knew of God's grace. Mm-hmm. I knew of his forgiveness. I knew that he had forgiven me the moment that I was genuinely crying in my bed, mm-hmm. like, what am I supposed to do? He was my peace mm-hmm. in my worst moment. It was my parents that I was scared of. Yeah. Actually, not my dad, my mom and my noni. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my noni is my grandma. That's how you say grandma in Italian. So um, it was those moments that I really clinged to the Lord in my sin. Mm. And I felt feel horrible now looking back because Tony didn't have that. Mm. Tony's my now husband or my boyfriend back then. Um, he didn't have that. And he was urging me, please tell your parents, mm. please tell your parents. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> do you want me to Do you want to die? <laughs> like, do you know what concrete Nikes are? It's where they fill them and drop you in the ocean, kid. Like that's not going to happen to us. <laughs> um, and so he, he just saw the love that my family had for me and was encouraging me, please, please, please tell them, please tell them. And I couldn't, but God had a way of telling my mom that I was pregnant without me opening my mouth. It was almost like he was protecting me because I was scared. Even though I didn't want to do it, he did it for me. So a month, I was six months pregnant and no, no trace of it, no sign of pregnancy. Um, I was always very small framed. Mm -hmm. And so I could hide it very well. I dressed like a boy. (laughs) So big baggy shirts, you know, it was the nineties. I was super TLC big, you know, (laughs) and, um, my mom kept waking up in the middle of the night. She, she was having, um, 
where she couldn't sleep. She couldn't sleep. She couldn't sleep. And it was going on a month. And so she finally, she's never had this problem. So she went to the doctor for it. Oh, wow. Because she was like, I can't sleep. I, and I, and she wasn't telling the doctor why she couldn't sleep, but she was having these thoughts of me oh, wow. being pregnant. Oh, wow. And every once in a while, she would come up to me and say, Loli, like, you know that you don't have to, have, like, please save yourself. This is your most precious gift. And I'd be like, um, what are you talking about? I have a purity ring on. Like, um, hello. I just went to like youth camp, rededicated my life for the billionth time. Like, you know, I could cry on command. I raised my hand, you know, you, you know. Yeah. And, um, she was more sincere and more sincere. Every time she would ask me, I remember one day she looked at me and she said, are you pregnant? And I straight up looked at my mom in the face and said, you have to have sex to be pregnant, mom. And I just, I knew in that moment, I was like, wow, you're a good liar. Yeah. Like that's scary. That scared me to the core because I looked my mom in my face and I blatantly lied to her. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, and I felt remorse for two seconds, but then relief because I covered it up. Oh. And, and so that was one night and literally like three days later, she asked me again, are you on your, are you on your period? And I was like, yeah, I just started. And she's like, okay. That night at five o'clock at night, she's like, when I wake up in the morning to go to work, I want you to prove that you're on your period to me. And I was like, what the what? hell? <laughs> what kind of psycho Italian crazy thing is this? Like I, you know, flipped out as a 16 year old. Like, are you kidding? But then knowing that my mom is an Italian lady, I don't talk back. So yeah. I was like, uh, fine. But in my head, I'm like, this crazy whack job. What am I supposed to do now? Like, gosh darn it. Somebody's telling her. Don't like, I'm, and I'm on the phone all night with Tony. You know when you have the cord. Yeah. You know, you're sneaking through under the phone, <laughs> under the door. And um, he's teens, telling me. Teens don't know about Yeah, that. they don't know about that. They got their cell phones. But I'm like dragging the cord underneath my door to like talk to him all night. You know, it's like tugging on your ear. And um, he was like, you need to tell her. You need to tell her, Lily. And I'm like, I can't. There's no way. And he's like, how are you going to prove to her that you're on your period? I'm like, I don't know. Literally went to the, went to, this is going to disgust some people, but I went and grabbed a panty liner, middle of the night, went to the kitchen, grabbed ketchup, put it on there and was like, I, I can't tell her. I need to make this go away, but I can't tell my mom. And obviously I didn't show her that because she came in the room at five o'clock in the morning and just laid with me and just said, please love please put my heart at rest. God keeps waking me up and keeps telling me. And I looked her in the face and I said, I'm pregnant. Mm. And she just, you think she would have cried? She didn't. Yeah. She got up and punched a hole in the wall. It was freaking awesome. She punched a hole in the wall. <laughs> For the record, don't ever mess with my mother. <laughs> Actually, it was the closet door. There was a big old hole in the closet door. And I was like... Well, at least it wasn't my face. <laughs> and she just took off into the room and I could just hear her weeping. And my dad came in and just looked at me and went and grabbed my brother. My brother was living with us at the time and his wife was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And my brother came in. It was actually my brother and his wife that came in and consoled me because my parents couldn't look at me. Mm -hmm. Um it was about an hour. My sister-in-law at the time worked for a doctor's office, mm -hmm. called the doctor. It was seven o'clock in the morning. We went to go do a, a, a pee test. Okay. It came out negative. So I was like, oh my God, it worked. <laughs> yes. But then, <laughs> but then my mom was like, I want a blood test. Do, do a blood test. And so that was the longest wait of my entire life. Okay. I did a blood test at eight o'clock in the morning. Didn't get the results till five. Oof. And so I sat in this like abyss yeah. in my home 
like freaking out, talking to Tony. He needed to tell his mom, my mom's pacing. And all of a sudden we get the call and it was a sure thing. Like the whole house was silent for hours and it was a for sure thing that I was pregnant. Very little traces that it came back pregnant and literally the countenance of my mom. And this is where I really can attest to my life changing in that moment was because I looked at my mom and I'm, I was waiting for disgust Mm. and I was waiting for just sadness and just a broken heart to just see it on her face because she wouldn't look at me all day. And when she got the call and she looked at me, her countenance completely changed. Mm. And it was like, okay, it's go time. Let's do this. And she sat down, she wiped her tears off. She sat down. She's like, okay, here's the game plan. This is what we're going to do. I've got you. I'm going to protect you. And it's like, she went into this mode of like, peace of like, okay, now that we know this is, let's do this. And no joke. Like it was like, she became my wall. Every Christian that came at me because we were at that time. I mean, I grew up in Calvary Chapel, very conservative. At that time, teenage pregnancy didn't happen. Mm -mm. You know, it didn't, it was not a Kylie Jenner. No, it wasn't a Kylie Jenner era. It was so unheard of. And the sad part is, is that my brothers at that time were doing something in music that changed the course of Christian music forever. Yeah, definitely. Forever. God was using this band and using my family as an example, as a, as a lighthouse on a hill mm-hmm. of, you know, breaking the mold of what Christians should look like, should sound like, should talk like. And, and then here I was the failure mm. who God was using this family. And then there was me. Mm. And it was like, I couldn't handle that. Mm. But my mom saw that it was a lot. And she just bullnosed her way through every rumor, every, I'm talking every bad look, every, every ounce of anything that you could give someone of shame, she took it. She took all my shame and she allowed me to enjoy Mm -hmm. my pregnancy, which is unheard of. I was scared. And so I I only had a few months of pregnant, of being pregnant because I was seven months when we found out. So it was go time in my, you know, and they literally only met Tony three times. I'd been with him since eighth grade, but hit it. Mm. We were now in 11th grade and he had been my boyfriend forever, but they didn't even really know mm. because I was just told as a good Christian girl, no, Yeah. but I didn't know why. Yeah. And you know, that's scary. If you're a, a, a Christian mom and dad, and you're just telling your daughters like, no, you can't have sex till you're married. Please don't just leave it at that. Yeah. Please sit them down and say, listen, this is why, because the enemy will use it. It'll take okay. a piece of your heart. It'll connect you to that person for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And if this is not the one that God has for you, mm-hmm. then it can, it can really mess you up with your feelings. And your feelings are liars. Yes. Like your feelings lie to you every single day. And I Definitely. wish, I wish that I would have heard somebody speak like that to me. And so you know, to make a long season of my life really short, God was faithful and my son was born and Mm. he was the greatest gift. He saved my life. He saved my husband's life. My husband was a street kid in Imperial Beach who grew up on drugs. Mm. Every drug in the world he took and he was good at it. And he, that's what he was good at. And 
he gave his life to the Lord on a shotgun whim. (laughs) 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 Because, oh, we laugh about this to this day. Because you know what? I'm still wasn't perfect. I found out I was pregnant. It wasn't like, oh, holy lowly. Yeah, right. I was still a 16 year old jerk. (laughs) So any way that I could, and now I could have sex without any, (laughs) hello. (laughs) So it was like, let's sneak away. Let's do, but, but thank God, God preserved that in me and him. And every time we would try and sneak away, we would get caught. So one night we were supposed to be going to adult school, right? Cause we were supposed to be good kids. And my mom I took my mom's car because she told me to. We parked it at Montgomery. And instead of going into class like good girls and good boys do, we decided to make out in the car, right? So I don't know why my mom was going to Costco and thought, oh, I left my jacket in my Explorer car. I have an extra key. She pulled over. And what are me and Tony doing in the car? Make it out. (laughs) So she dragged us back to the house. And my dad was like, turn or burn, kid. You either give your life to the Lord or get the hell out of my house. And Tony was like, all right. <laughs> I can totally. He was like, sure. If that means I'm going to stay with your daughter. Cool. <laughs> he was, And my dad's like, repeat after me. <laughs> I know I'm a student. And Tony was like, Tony's looking at me the whole time. And I'm like, I, I'm, I don't know, man. Just do it. Just do it, <laughs> Just do it man. Just do it. <laughs> And what's funny is talking back, reminiscing with Tony, Tony was like, I thought it was this aha moment where if I did that, then my whole life would change because that's what I always heard. Like you give your life to the Lord and things change. He's like, not a dang thing changed. I was still hooked on drugs. I was still having a kid. He's like, what? Where is this God? What happened? Oh, so it was funny. So he ended up giving his life to the Lord, you know, trial and error. We ended up getting married at 18 years old, which was the best thing that I've ever done in my entire life. He's my best friend. And we're still married to this day. We just celebrated 21 years of marriage. But that is not because of each other. That is simply because God has been faithful. And we have been through so many things in our life as a youth. And then, I mean, we grew up together. We raised our son together, and while we were raising him, we were growing up, and I mean... Which is so hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's that moment where you're learning about yourself. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it, it was actually really fun. Like, I... It was crazy and exciting and fun and scary and hard, and all of it wrapped into one, and I think... I think if I could speak on Tony's behalf, I think the hardest thing for us was detaching from our friends Mm. because we were at that age where our friends were everything. I had three best friends, Mm. you know, Chris, um, Ryan and Angela, and they were my everything. They were my, my breath in the morning, my breath at night. We laugh. They were my laugh. They were my heartbeat. We were everything together. And Tony had the same. I mean, his friends weren't as good as mine. <laughs> That's for dang sure. But he had his group of friends yeah. nonetheless. And when we had our son, I knew because of the way that I was raised that I needed to give up my life so that my son could have a life. Mm. And that was instilled in me as a young age because of the faithfulness that God had shown to my family. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that that was a recipe for a successful family. And so whatever I learned from watching my parents, I wanted to do. And although Tony didn't have that, he was drawn to that in me. Mm-hmm. And it was so opposite of what he had grown up with and that he was curious 
And it wasn't that, that that shotgun salvation prayer, because that didn't mean anything. What meant everything was the way that he saw my parents love me, hmm. even in my sin. That he, he saw my dad. That was a testament. Yeah, he saw my dad still bear hug his little girl and call me his baby girl, hmm. even though I had a baby. And still to this day, my dad will be like, hey, baby girl, what you need? You know, like I'm still his baby. And the thing that drew me and Tony closer to the Lord was how my parents loved us Mm -hmm. in our sin and in our weakness and in our failures. They loved us Mm -hmm. and they fought for us and they defended us when we couldn't because we couldn't defend ourselves. We wore our sin. Yeah. And the one thing I remember my mom saying was, and I remember her telling, telling this one lady off at church. It was so funny. I was like, yeah, get it. You know, but here I am like eight months pregnant, like, yeah, get it, mom. You know, swollen feet and everything ready to throw down. But I remember my mom, this lady judging me and saying, how could you throw a baby shower for your daughter? How could you, you know, whatever. And my mom looked at her and said, you know, your sin is no greater. It's just that my daughter's wearing hers. Mm, That is so true. So if you're willing to expose your sin and wear it like my daughter is, Mm -hmm. don't speak to me because she's walking courageously through her Mm -hmm. sin for everybody to judge her Mm. and is doing it with grace and integrity and Mm. character. But you, wouldn't she rather see you in church? Hello. You think just like continue going down that wrong path. (laughs) You think, (laughs) but I, I remember hearing that from my mom saying, my daughter's wearing her sin. You don't even have the guts to wear your own sin or even Mm. talk about it or even ask for forgiveness for it. But my daughter's wearing hers. And how many of us would want to do that? Exactly. And I, right now, me and my own. Oh, there's no way in heck. No, thank you. Pass. Yeah. And so I just remember looking at that and thinking like, gosh, like, you know, because my parents had did such a great job of protecting my heart that once I knew I was forgiven, I felt forgiven. Mm -hmm. And I didn't see any shame in being pregnant. Yeah, I was, had remorse for what I did, but being pregnant, I wasn't ashamed of. Mm -hmm. It was a gift. Mm -hmm. And I knew that whatever God was going to do in that, was going to change the course of my life. And so I was grateful. I was happy. I guess people in the church wanted me to be sad, but I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't because I was forgiven and my parents didn't treat me like I was an outcast, you know? And so that's always resonated with me in my heart. And, you know, me and Tony grew up and we focused on our family and we detached from our friends for many years because we needed to focus on each other and loving each other. And my husband went on the road with my brother's band and he got to see what a man was and you know, he wasn't raised by his father. You know, his mom is an incredible woman. You know, you can't learn how to be a man through yeah. your mom. You still need your dad. You need your dad. Yeah. And he drew cl- very close to my dad and to my brothers mm-hmm. and they became his, his brothers and his father. Mm-hmm. And, um, through that, I, I can definitely attest that my husband is the man he is because mm-hmm. of who my parents were to him and, um, because of the love his mom raised him in, mm-hmm. um, Fast forward all of that. And now we've got, you know, we've got our son and we're getting ready to have our daughter mm. and we, you know, we're celebrating all these huge milestones in our life. And, um, we just got complacent, mm. which hello, that's life. Yeah. yeah. That's life as a believer. You know, you, we talked earlier about the whole Kanye thing yeah. and how, um, man, I just, I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm zealous for that mm-hmm. joy of that salvation again, mm-hmm. you know, because we go through so many trials and we learn and we study and we, we battle up and we celebrate together. But at the same time, there's nothing 
than that first joy mm-hmm. of knowing what salvation really is. Definitely. And that's why the Word of God says, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Mm-hmm. And that's been my prayer for, for the past years, like restore that joy to me, Lord. Because it's hard when you're raising a family and you're living life, you forget. Mm-hmm. You forget all he's done for you because you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And just seeing Kanye and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, dang, man, that's beautiful. It is. Like, it's, it's freaking like, dope, dude. Yeah, it's like, wow, man, give With me the Kool-Aid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said fire, I said Kool-Aid. Lemonade. There <laughs> we the go. <laughs> On that Chick-fil-A. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, you know... Fast forward to my life, you know, let's say my daughter is now five, six years old and I'm at that point where I'm completely complacent and I'm just going to church because it's what my parents showed me how to do and I'm raising my kids to know the God of Sunday and that's it. Mm. I'm not raising them to know him intimately. I was raising him to know the God of Sunday, which is the way that I was raised and no fault to that. That's just, that's just... It happens. Mm -hmm. And I, at that time, I worked at Matt Cosmetics and was becoming a top makeup artist for the industry, working up in LA. Which I loved. Thank you. Thank you. You did my (laughs) I did for your wedding. Um, But yeah, I I did makeup because that's all I could do to be able to stay at home mom Mm -hmm. um, while bringing in a little bit of income. And um, God used my hands. He used my hands to um, do makeup, which I never really even liked. And uh, he took me to crazy levels in makeup that I could never imagine. And I worked for Bravo and Fox Sports and Lifetime and did the cover of Vogue and, you know, Vogue Thailand and Vogue Italy and, you know, did all these really incredible things and was the makeup artist for Tiger Woods and, you know, Jason Momoa and all these crazy things. And in all of that, I was sad because I was seeing a disgusting world around me of women that were broken Mm. and they despised the church. They despised my king and I couldn't, it was breaking my heart. And I remember sitting in the parking lot of Chula Vista Mac and crying with my Bible open saying, please, please don't let me be like these people. Please don't let me be like everybody else. Please use my hands. Please use my mouth. Don't let me laugh at these stupid jokes. Don't let me be a little (laughs) prankster. Don't let me be a little punk like that I know I can be. But use all these qualities that you've given me to share how good you are. And little by little, he kept teaching me and showing me. And I opened up a a room in my makeup studio and said, if you have questions about God, just come hang. Like, I don't know what I'm doing, but God (laughs) says go and I'm going to go. Yeah. We opened up my little makeup studio and I remember it was Ezekiel 14, 16 through nine. And it just resonated with me. It talked about how he washed He washed all the mud off my face. Mm -hmm. He anointed my head with oil. He put fragrance all over me and he coated my hands with rings and my feet with badger slippers. And he made my name known to the nations because of the beauty he bestowed upon Mm me. And he called me his daughter. And I literally went out the next day and got daughter of the king tatted on my foot. And I got it tatted on my foot because I wanted to remember that the the ground that I walked on was paved Mm -hmm. with the blood of his son. And that I wasn't just here because I was a product of my parents. I was here because I was purposed. Mm. And he breathed in me. He sustained my heartbeat at night. He allowed me to breathe. And so every breath I wanted to give back to him in the way that only I could. Mm -hmm. 
And that was through makeup and that was through being silly and being a weirdo and dressing funky and I don't know, just being me. Yeah. When I felt the church wanted to stifle who I was, this big personality and this weird character of how I dressed, I felt like God was saying, this is who I created you to be. Yeah. Stop conforming. Stop Mm -hmm. wearing a cardigan. (laughs) With loafers, Loli, this is not you. Throw on your Doc Martens and rip up your jeans and throw some brass knuckles on and let's do this. And I was like, what? Yeah, like, okay. And all those unique qualities that I tried to hide because I thought they were of the world, Mm -hmm. God was saying, Loli, I've created you for this. I've walked you through teenage pregnancy and I've built this marriage for you and I've built this home for you and I'm giving you this platform. And so... When you come to that realization of you have nothing to do with this, mm-hmm. you're completely vulnerable. And so I started a Bible study called Daughters of the King mm-hmm. to let every freako like me, sinner, dirtbag, little church girl or atheist or whatever, know that even if they didn't believe in God, they were purposed mm-hmm. and that they were loved mm-hmm. by me at least. And hopefully in my love, they it would be a reflection mm. of God's love. And I remember studying and I got sent out to Kauai to do, um, to speak. And, you know, that's on a whole nother level. But I remember studying the pearl mm. and how a pearl is created in the depths of the sea and that it has to be in the darkest part of the ocean mm-hmm. and hidden in, in the mouth of an oyster, right? Mm-hmm. And the light has to come through and break through at a pivotal moment where there's something that's irritating and that irritant and that light create a residue, which is priceless. Mm -hmm. It's a pearl and it's not perfect and it's cut really weird and it's got all these weird formations, but out of something so dark and something so irritating, the light was able to break through Mm -hmm. and create something beautiful. And I remember thinking, God, that's me. You can do that. You did that to me. Mm -hmm. You continue to do that to me in my darkest point. And whatever comes out of my mouth, make it be beautiful unto you. Mm -hmm. Not me, because I suck. Then, Then doing another study, getting sent to, you know, New York to speak at another conference. And I did a study on the moon and how the moon has no light on its own. The moon is simply a reflection of the sun. And I thought to myself, I want to be the moon. I want to be that moon where... I'm nothing but a reflection of your son. Mm-hmm. I want to be so transparent, but I want to be so bright for you that that it's you. It's mm-hmm. your son that reflects off of me. And I mm-hmm. thought, God, that's so part of my French. That's so badass, Lord. Like, Definitely. dang. Yeah. That the moon has no luster on its own, but that it simply reflects the sun. Like he's deep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, dang, that's okay. (laughs) Let's go time. You know, and I I did 11 seasons of fashion week and, you know, I was starting to travel all over the world and Canada with my makeup thing. And I was little by little, I was remembering um, Jay Vernon McGee and what he, because he's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And I remember he said something on the radio. He's the one who goes, let's go on the Bible bus. (laughs) It's so old school. And I remember him saying, that you may be the only Bible people ever read. And I thought to myself, in my industry, in Hollywood, they're not going to pick up their Bible. But if you can do that in me and I can just follow you, that's enough. Mm -hmm. And they'll see something. And lo and behold, it just became this really incredible thing that God was doing. And and it was scary and it was exciting. 
very, very similar to being pregnant at 16. (laughs) It was restoring the joy of my salvation again and falling in love with the Lord on a deeper level and getting to know his word and letting the, the black letters on the white page jump out and become life to me and breathing it into my children and being a woman of integrity and showing my son the type of woman he needs to find and being the type of woman that a husband, my daughter's husband needs to have. And, you know, Fast forward now, my daughter's 16, my son's 22, my husband, you know, we just turned 40 and, you know, we're at the sweet spot of life Mm -hmm. where we can now look back on these really hard moments and see God, you know, because even in all those moments of me going out and speaking, (laughs) I'm still me, I'm still (laughs) a sinner. And there was so many lessons in all of that. And his grace was so enough. And I look at Kanye today and I look at like all the things that are going on and all the judgment calls that are being thrown out, whether they're good judgment or bad judgment, they're still judgment. And I think to myself, man, I have enough sin on my own that I can't even look at you like that. Amen. I'm just happy that God's name is being proclaimed, mm-hmm. you know, because for, for a long time, you know, I would say the past five years, I've been really disheartened with the church. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, yeah. broke my heart. Definitely. Same here. It's It's been breaking my heart to see that you know, they're more focused on being trendy and cool than... It doesn't even make me want to even go to, to go. Church. It doesn't. I or bring I'm, my own kid. No, seriously. And I know that's so wrong. And that's something that we're going to deal with on our own. Definitely. That's like our own personal thing. Yeah. But I'm right there with you. It it disgusted me for a long time. And I, I stopped speaking. I would go all over the country and I would, you know, God give had given me the opportunity to speak on so many platforms and such amazing things that I've seen. But at the same time, I was disgusted. Mm-hmm. I was disgusted with myself in how I looked at the church. Same. And I couldn't do it anymore because for my own walk, for my own life, I couldn't keep seeing the things I was seeing. Mm-hmm. For my own salvation. Same. I mean, I know I don't control my salvation, but for my own heart, Mm -hmm. I I was grossed out, man. Um, And not because I was seeing things that were, you know, oh my gosh, so vile and perverted. No, it was nothing like that. It was just seeing the God of the universe, the star breather being looked at less than Mm. and money Mm -hmm. and being told that I was being a fool because I didn't ask for an honorarium Mm. or being told I was stupid because I didn't want to write a book and write this wave that God had given me the Mm. opportunity to do and take a tour and make a tour of it and make a book on it. And and I was told that I was throwing away the gifts that God has given me when in return, that was never the plan. That's never what God put on my heart. All he did, all he said to do was just stand. And I'll do the rest. All I need you to do, Loli, is love me, stay faithful, and stand up. Mm-hmm. That's it. He never said, Loli, go write a book. Loli, go make this tour. Loli, go charge $50 a ticket to come see you speak. What? No. He said, love me. Stand up. Stay faithful. I'll do the rest. And when I was being persecuted and mocked for that and for not charging and for not wanting to sit in the green room, for wanting to be out and worshiping amongst my, amongst these young girls, yeah. amongst uh, the worshipers. It was sad. And I, I walked away. I'm not going to lie. I walked away from everything. I dropped everything. I stopped Daughters of the King. 
I stopped going to church. I didn't stop reading my Bible because I'm so in love with it. <laughs> That's like my favorite thing to read in the world. And um, But I stopped. I, I disassociated myself. And it was now looking back on it, it's full circle. It's exactly what happened when I was 16 years old. Mm. I disassociated myself and I, I buckled in and I dug my feet into what I knew in my heart, that quiet voice was telling me to do. And that's what me and my husband have been doing these past five years. And we've stayed silent and we've just focused on our family because that's my first ministry. Definitely. You know, and I've been mocked over the past two years of, you know, you really have the ability to make an impact with these young girls and you stopped doing purity conferences and you stopped sharing your testimony. And it's like, you know what? No, I haven't. I do it every single day in my home with my Mm. daughter, period. I was never called to do it for your daughter. No. I was called to do it for my own. Yeah. And and be we're called individually. Individually. Our kids. Exactly. That's like giving the teachers responsibility to raise our kids. And it's yeah. not. And you know, that's where my heart is right now. Same. My daughter is 16 years old and she is dealing with that pivotal age that you That we have. met each other. Yeah. And the, I mean, me and you know what we went through. Mm-hmm. We had some serious talks. We had some cries together. Mm-hmm. We thought we knew everything and knew nothing at the mm-hmm. same time. And they, our daughters are the same age and they are going through a million times worse. Yes. I mean, the iPhone. Social media. Yeah, everything. Yeah. If I'm getting DM'd hate <laughs> messages, I can't even imagine. And it's hard for us. Like, do we answer back? How do we answer back? How do back? we answer back? And then that Do I go find him and kill him? <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> or I could just call, you know, Agnes, the great Italian, and have her put fear of God in anybody. <laughs> that would be my option. <laughs> that's it's always my option. Mom? <laughs> no, but you know, that's that's where I'm at right now, and that's honestly the best part of my testimony. The only time, and my mom has been just such a God, she's freaking amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean the wisdom that just spews from her mouth is just, i it's, like it's gold. gold. It's like time. gold to me. And every time she, I can tell when she needs to tell me something serious because she looks at me and it's like molasses being poured on my head. And I just want it to stick. And I just stay there. Even though sometimes it pisses me off. <laughs> I just, I, I know I got to stay there yeah. because I know in the end it's going to be wisdom that I need. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be a treasure that I'm going to have to uncover with my own children. You know, I remember her just just loving me and looking at me and saying, this, these seasons, find the treasure. Mm. Find it. God has treasures everywhere for you. And one thing she's always said to me was, if you knew you had treasure, I'm talking jewels and gold bars in, in your backyard, how hard would you dig? Mm. How so calloused true. would your hands be if you knew that you had deep, 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 deep in those dirt? On every different level, another level of treasure, would you ever stop digging? Mm. Would your hands, would a little callus bother you? Mm. Would a little blood on your hands hurt you? Mm-hmm. Or would you keep going? Mm-hmm. And would you dig deeper? And she and I would be like, dude, yeah, dig deeper. Definitely. And she's looking at me, she's like, that's our walk with the Lord. Mm. Yes, he leaves those beautiful, like those Kanye moments, those diamonds on the surface, mm-hmm. that exciting, knowing that there's treasures there for me that I didn't do anything for, I don't deserve. Mm-hmm. He's giving them to me. Then you dig a little deeper and then there's another treasure, but that comes with a callus. Mm-hmm. 
And then you're curious and you want more because you're hungry for it. And you dig a little deeper and your hands get bloody and you can't find it. And you're tired and you're pissed off and you stop. And you're like, this sucks. I know I don't have treasure here. You suck. You lied to me. Mm. How could you do this to me, God? You told me there was treasures there. I'm, I'm alone here. I'm in the backyard alone looking for this treasure. And he's like, keep digging. Mm. And if you stay faithful and you stay in it, you find it mm. and you dig deeper. But then, you know, three weeks later, you look back on those calluses and they're worn out older hands, but they're seasoned mm-hmm. and they're prepared to dig to the next level. They're stronger. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're able to reach back and grab those. It's like Proverbs 24, 11, like rescue records. Yes. Hold back those stumbling towards the slaughter. Reach, you know, and it's like, it's so awesome to know that like we have a generation of women like my mom, like your mom mm-hmm. that have walked through so much more than we have yet. And we can listen to them and feed from them and just sit under their molasses of wisdom. And we may not like it, no, but it's solid. It's, it's solid. Cold. It's solid. And they're not afraid to shed their wineskin over and over and over again, because they know that they're reaching back to us. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's our hope with this podcast, right? Yeah, definitely. Is that somebody, anybody, if they don't have those pivotal women in their life, or anybody that's willing to shed their skin and say like, yeah, I suck, you know? And yeah, it's hard being a, a church girl, you know? They can hear this and know like, yo, you could do it. Definitely. God's faithful. And the story of Enoch is so much greater than the story of those like me or like you. The Enoch story is the greatest story in the Bible. It's the story of faithfulness. Mm-hmm. That's it. He walked with him all the days of his life. That is what I long for. Nobody else has that story. No. But Jesus. Yeah. Nobody else has that story in the Bible mm-hmm. that says he walked with him all the days of his life. And it's like, dang. It's like I want that. I want that. <laughs> I wish I could go back. But I was such a jerk at 16. No, but we're seasoned. Yeah. We're almost Kind of. <laughs> we're like, uh, we're like right now, you know, when you baste a turkey yeah. or like not baste it when you brine it, we're just, we're in the brining stage. Like our I'll parents there, are like, I'll, I'll still be there. I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm there. I'm in it. But yeah, it's, you know, I want to encourage anybody who's listening to this, like, you know, it's like a treasure in your backyard. The word of God is so deep and you can read it front cover to back cover over and over a million times and you'll still find a new treasure. Mm. There's new depths. There's new levels. There's, I remember just studying the word and thinking like, what does this one word mean? Why do you keep using this word? And then studying in the Greek and then looking at what it meant and then freaking out because it was like, it opened up a whole new world. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're freaking crazy. God, like, wait, I feel like I've been here for 40 hours and it's only been 30 minutes. <laughs> what happened? I need to go to work. Oh crap. But no, I mean, My testimony, you know, is I don't like to walk through it in depth all the time because it it exposes my sin and who I am. But the only time that I feel like anybody should ever go back to their testimony is to share what he's done. And so it's not like I'm walking around sharing my testimony, you know, to anybody. It's it's definitely only when God uh, puts it on my heart. Yeah. And there's so much more. There's so many levels and like, like yours, you know, there's so many levels to our testimony mm-hmm. that they'll be uncovered when he says fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I always, um, I always think about that story in the Bible where, um, it was that first time Jesus was at the temple and, you know, Mary and Joseph, they were at the temple and they went back and he stayed and they didn't even know he was gone. And then when yeah. they got him and there was a part in that 
one little short sentence where it said, and Mary held all these things in her heart. Mm. You never hear Mary's story of all the treasures that she's seen. What kind of kid was he? Yeah. What, what kind of life, what, what kind of love did he show her? And it's like those beautiful treasures are hers. Mm. They're gifts from the Lord. And part of my testimony that I won't ever share, I feel are gifts mm. from the Lord that he's saying, remember this moment? Remember what I did in this moment? And that's exciting. Definitely. That's exciting. And that's what keeps me digging and keeps me focused and <laughs> <laughs> and no, I haven't backslidden. I still love Jesus. I read my Bible. I love my husband. I'm raising my kids. Just because I'm not on social media preaching doesn't mean anything less. Anything less. I'm I just, yeah. And he does. And that's all that matters. Yeah. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> that was Loli Romo, today's storyteller. Music by Lakey Inspired. Now a short message by Philip McIntosh. I'm Priscilla, host and creative storytellers. Until the next episode, God bless. What an awesome opportunity to hear this story on this episode. And we know that you have a story as well. We know that you have probably faced adversities, you've faced challenges, you've overcome things. And uh, we want to encourage you today that there is a story that is unlike any other story. In fact, we refer to it sometimes as, as history, but we like to say his story because it's God's story. And we want to encourage you today that there is a God, yes, a true and living God, who has created heaven and earth and has created you and I. And he has an amazing story that involves each and every one of us. And a big part of that story is his pursuit, his chase after us with his love, with his grace, with his desire and hope that we would turn to him and allow him to work his story in and through us. We truly hope that you will learn of his story. And we truly hope that you will know today that God loves you and desires to use you and has a future and hope for you. If you want to know more about his story, reach out to us. We'd love to share it with you.